0: We're now tuning into the Barely Hibernating Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network, featuring Bear Report's own Usaid Kosho and Fansided, Sam Stevenson, and AJ Desai. Here are your hosts. Silence is at House Hall. Nobody knows what's going on. Maybe a select few of us do know what's going on but what's going on guys welcome into the barely hibernating podcast the bears are in hibernation we're not going to be in hibernation until the next or for the next eight or nine months whenever the bears have their first regular season game which if i pull the calendar up as we kind of go through this thing right i think the bears 2021 season's kicking off on sunday september Fifth or twelfth? All right, one of those two. But yeah, I'm your host, Usaid Kolsch. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Usaid Got my co-hosts in the house, so you can follow them on Twitter at SJ Steve Nine and at AJ Decide Four. They are Sam Stevenson and AJ Decide. What up, guys?
1: The roller coaster that is the 2020 Bear season is over. It's done. It's a weird thing yeah, to I'm say. Fine with it. it's over. I'm excited. The weight is off our chests. The emotional distress, the the nervousness of every single game, the, the uh, I mean, the only thing that's nervous right now is what the heck's going on in Howes Hall. I feel like that's the big thing. That's the yeah. thing that's got, I'm terrified of what's going on inside.
2: Dude, I just want to pull up to 20 football drive and just want to know what's going on. I, I just don't, I, I just want to know just a little bit
1: of what's going on. I want to be a fly on the wall. I want to just like be a fly yeah. for like a minute.
0: Yeah, we'll get into that a bit later, guys, but obviously 2020 season came to an hour. I'm actually kind of glad it's over just because like, let's be real. I mean, you beat three shitty teams and then all of a sudden everyone's under the impression that, oh my God, like we're ready to like go to the Super Bowl or something. And anyone who had like realistic expectations for the Bears in 2020 Even after Mitch came back, knew that that wasn't going to be the case because we all knew, okay, if they were going to make this playoffs, right, they were never a team that was on caliber with the Rams or the Saints. Any other team, basically, that was in the NFC playoffs because if the Bears go back and play any of those those NFC playoff teams right now, They're going to get stomped again, and it's probably going to be much worse, right? But kind of let's get into a 2020 season review. You know, I'll kick this one off. But, dude, the high points were like, all right, you win five of your first six. The low points for me were you lose six straight. Uh, I would say another low point would be just the timing of the QB switch because I thought that that came a bit early, and I know that there was a lot of speculation like, hey, if the Bears didn't make – the QB change in week three, like midway through the third quarter, what would the season have turned out like, right? I would say another high point, but this is also a low point is the fact that like the high point is we saw the emergence of like Rashad Coward. No, not Rashad Coward. Holy shit. <laughs> that guy sucks. Fuck that guy. Well, um, Bilal, Bilal Nichols, Sam Mustafer, and um, the Notre Dame guy, Alex sparks right? That was a high point. The low point though, was we took forever to get those guys in AJ. I'll go to you. Oh,
2: well, I mean, like, I think it's just, you know, it's just terrible – coaching and management, you know, I mean, like if you have guys like Alex Bars and Samus Mustafir and you're, you're just going to go in and turn a blind eye on those two guys, like granted, maybe Alex Bars was injured to start the season. Like, I don't know. But like if they were healthy, then I don't know why like those two weren't playing from the get go. You know, I mean, like even even if when James Daniels went down, you could put one of those two in instead of like, you know, depending on Rashard Coward and Jermaine Effetti. But like, you know, I think Effetti has been playing a lot better on the tackle side. And then you have Sam Mustafir and have Alex Bars is playing, I think, guard and Mustafir is at center and Cody Whitehair is at left guard. I think that's pretty good. But the change just came late. You know, it came, I think, in week week 10 and week 11. It, it just hurt the Chicago Bears as a whole as an offense. I mean, you saw Nick Foles just struggle um, behind that offensive line. And we've seen what he was able to do in Philadelphia with the top offensive line. And that's what the nfl is you have to make sure everything is perfect around your quarterback in order to be a successful team and organization and i'll just leave it at that
1: yeah i um i think one of the high points for me is david montgomery is clearly a top running back in this league i mean his emergence in the second half of the season and granted it was against worse teams and worse defenses but like that was reassuring to see obviously i think the rookie class for the most part is pretty solid i think Cole Komet, is my 2021 breakout candidate for next year? We know what we have in Darnell Mooney. Jalen Johnson went healthy is a clear day one starter. And even some of these late round guys, they have they made some mistakes. I know obviously like Kendall Wilder was thrown into the mix um at late in the season. We saw a little bit of Travis Gibson. We even saw um, I think it was Arlington Hambright get some reps in in one of those games. And the Bears had about a million guys on COVID with the offensive line. But I think this rookie class as a whole was an up. Um Yeah, I think you said hit it on the head, though, like the quarterback switch was a down low. The six game losing streak was a down low. And and the inability to recognize what your identity was, right, like you're five and one, you start losing games like and like the stubbornness and the unwillingness to make change until it felt like you had to or you were going to lose your job. Um, I mean, and obviously the last two weeks were a low point. I mean, we lost to the Packers and Roquan got hurt like that. I kind of realized like we don't stand a chance against the Saints without Roquan and Mooney. Um, I mean, again, like I I think another low point is clearly the Foles trade was a fail, but now there's no certainty at quarterback because you can't get rid of Foles, but you're not going to re-sign Mitch. So it's it's very frustrating Um, that side of things. And again it's it's a weight that's off our shoulders now uh, an upside um Mitch Trubisky won a stupid Nickelodeon award so that was cool and the Bears were on Nickelodeon so that is just uh what a way to the end of the year by playing on uh in front of a bunch of kids and getting slimed um yeah I, I'm gonna end it there because what an ending
0: well let me let me ask you guys this right in terms of like the QB situation right Would you, because Sam, I know you kind of brought this up or alluded to it. Would you guys be content with overhauling the offensive line, opening up 2021 with Foles as a starter, and then drafting a guy on day one or day two? I mean, is that that like a plausible strategy do you think you guys would take if you were sitting in the GM's chair?
1: Absolutely. I think... um... I, even if you don't get your guy at 20, if you get your guy at 52 um, I don't know who will be available in the second round. Obviously I think there's some buzz that Mac Jones is going to be a first round guy. Um, but if not, you know, maybe you go get somebody day two or three um, and then maybe you sign somebody who's a young quarterback who maybe, you know, is is not really found his way yet um or just sign anybody who's you know going to be cheap obviously i think a lot of bears were clamoring for taylor heineke me being one of them but you know somebody like that a young guy who you can have behind Foles, and you have a three-man quarterback room and and you know i'm not saying Foles is going to suddenly miraculously flip the switch and make us a contender next year but you would going to have him on the roster anyway you brought in a coaching staff that was built for him and designed for him and has worked with him before if you overhaul the offense Line. if you make some adjustments to your wide receiver room maybe you bring in another tight end or something like that you make sure your running back room is solid obviously you need to have somebody behind david montgomery who isn't a undrafted free agent or somebody who knows how, who can be a good backup you're going to get tree Cullen back i'm okay with it i generally don't think it's a, a terrible situation I, I don't think Foles is that good but I mean, I don't know what else you, there's no alternative. You can't get rid of him. His contract and the way that he's set up, like no one's going to trade for Nick Foles and cutting him makes zero sense. So you're stuck with him anyway. You might as well retool the offense for him.
2: Yeah, so Bears fans, here's the reality of the situation. Nick Foles is going to be under contract throughout 2021. I'm looking at it on my phone right now, 2022. And through, to those armchair GMs out there, I just want to say one thing. Are you comfortable taking an $8 million um, release hit? to your cap room after what happened with this whole COVID-19 situation? Probably not. And even if you cut guys, you know, that $8 million charge, maybe not to you or or, or to anybody else, but that NFL franchise looks at that $8 million that like, okay, like maybe what Sam said that if we revamp the offensive line, you know, if we take the steps and we make it better, you know, Nick Foles can be a serviceable quarterback behind that. And like, we actually may not have an option that, like, come when when our backs are against the wall, week one, 2021 season, Nick Foles is going to be our preemptive starter. And because, like, if Ryan Pace, like, look, uh, this is just I'm assuming a little bit. If Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are still here, right? And they have seen the quarterback drafting thing, right? And if they do draft one, right? And if they do sign someone, right? Like you said, Sam. It's going to be a three quarterback room and you're going to have Nick Bowles as your starter. And if he goes down, you're that guy that you signed, not the guy that you drafted, but the guy that you signed is going to play. So now your quarterback room was a lot better than it was from when you signed Mike Lennon. It's a lot more secure. You know what I mean? Like you're giving your rookie a lot, to, a lot of time to sit and understand the playbook. And I just want to say on the record that I don't think Mitch had that chance to sit. So I think that may have hindered his development. But then again, he didn't make the proper adjustments in, uh, in Nagy's offense in year two. So it goes both ways. So um, that's where I'm at with that. Like I think Nick Foles is our preemptive starter. If you make some changes on the offensive line, you bring in a wide receiver. If Allen Robinson is gone and you get another tight end in the draft, and you fix the offensive line on some key positions. I mean, throw Nick Foles behind that offensive line and see what he can do. It's a tough schedule in next year, Bears fans. So we got to be prepared for it. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, I'll say this, right? I mean, whatever happens at QB happens, but I think like people have to understand is that there's still a number of moves to be made to get us ready for 2021, right? And obviously, you know, for me, right? Like I, I look at the 2020 rookie class, right? And that's like Pace is scouting and credit to him for finding, you know, three future starters three day one starters essentially is what it was because we know Mooney, Johnson, and Komet are starting next year, and he did that with, you know, two second rounders and a fifth round, and then you look at the potential that a guy like Vilder and uh, Do Shelley have, right? So it's very likely that the 2020 class pace found like four starters and four guys are going to be starting come 2021. But then like you realize, I mean, I think like guys that were affected this season by the crappy QB play would be Darnell Mooney and especially Cole Komet Cause like Mooney had like what four touchdowns or something. I think he had like 90 something targets, right? The guy's production ultimately was affected by just like bad QB play. Right. And that's not just Trubisky. It was Foles too. Right. So ultimately like moving forward here, right? Like it's going to be a really really interesting off season. But when we look at like the saints game, you know, I think people tend to forget, like even if the bears had Roquan Smith and they had a healthy Darnell Mooney playing, it probably would not have made like that big of a difference because the saints are the team that from the start, right. They were going to go ahead and they're going to do whatever they can to be able to, um, to be able to, you know, beat you in any way. And it's just like, yeah, you know, Roquan would have slowed down Alvin Kamara. But like at the end of the day, if the offense played the way it did, aside from the big whims drop, it still would not have mattered. And I still think that even if Wims scores that touchdown, the Saints still beat us. Sam I'll go to you. what were your thoughts on the playoff loss? I think
1: the whims drop was kind of the the icing on the cake. I mean, I, I think the injuries made it more difficult than it already was going to be. I mean, you th- you're throwing out a guy you signed to the practice squad as a starting linebacker. And I actually will give Mounti Teo credit. He didn't play too bad. Um, but again, he's not Roquan Smith. Um, you know, the offense just didn't look like it made any adjustments. It just kept trying to, like, it was conservative. It was like, it was like Nagy was coaching to lose. And, and, you know, when Alan Robinson comes out and says that he didn't know who was calling the plays, that's very alarming to me. Um, And that's concerning because when Bill Lazor was calling the plays, the offense seemed to be looking okay. And, you know, obviously I understand Nagy's a very controlling coach. He wants things to go his way. And that can be frustrating, especially in a playoff game where the Saints weren't playing very well, that was a team that we could have beaten very easily. I mean, it was 7-3 at the end of the first half. Like, the Saints were not playing their best football, and this was an opportunity for potentially an upset. So you know, I felt deflated, but at the, towards the end of the fourth quarter, like I was over it. It was like, you know what? This season has been so up and down. Like, of course it's going to end like this. And, you know, I got some laughs out of Mitch winning some silly award on Nickelodeon and, and, you know, that last offensive drive where he finally, you know, they literally scored a garbage time touchdown um, in like the last, literally the last play of the game. Um, I don't know. It was disappointing because I think we could have beaten that team. I don't think we would have gone much farther, but it would have been cool to have seen the Bears cause an upset and maybe maybe shut down some of the the stigmas and, and you know hate that they have gotten all year for being a fraud of a team. And the reality of it is they didn't. They they looked exactly like a team who did not want to go out there and win a playoff game and that was frustrating. But at the end of the day it's been two days, it's over. Now I'm focused on the off season, what changes are going to be made, you know, and, and it's off season. Isn't as fun as the regular season, but you know, there needs to be change and I'm hoping change comes. You said, I do not appreciate you changing your background. By the way, I was in mid thought when you did that. Not
0: (laughs) (laughs) maybe I'm testing your ability to analyze um, bear stuff, dude, or break the bears down and then check out my camel background. So
1: (laughs) I almost broke. I almost did. I stayed with it. I'm proud of myself. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, I mean, or you're just listening to this, what basically happened is I had a Northern Lights background on Zoom, and I went ahead and changed it to a picture of a camel because <laughs> I knew Sam was gonna end up breaking. But AJ, what are your thoughts on this uh, wild card loss?
2: Rubbish, you know. As we, well, as not as not we, but like as they say in England, you know, rubbish. It's just you know, three points, man. You could have done a lot better. And I'm going to elaborate on this, uh, so give me a um, minute or two. Um, you know, I really thought this team on Sunday was undisciplined as hell, dude. Like, if if Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is an instigator, why are you in his face? Like, there's a reason why Matt Nagy in that film room put that thing on, in that, uh, that, that video of the Javon Wims incident, you know? And it's just like, well, why'd you do that, man? Like, you, you know, this guy is going to like, you know, get into your face or anything like that. So why'd you got to well, why do you have to push him? dude? 99% of the time that's going to be called. And, you know, I know I know how Bears fans love to love to, you know, like bring up that 20, 2018, I think it was or 2019 moment where Tariq Cohen was mocked to be short. Well, I, I get that, you know, but like, come on. Let's 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 just be a little real here. The the refs are going to favor the Saints just a little bit, all right. The the Bears are never going to get those calls of unsportsmanlike conduct that benefit them. Let's let's just be real, all right. It's it's never happened this season, and I don't think it's happened in the last couple of years. So like, I mean, just just like to Anthony Miller and all that stuff. Like what I saw on Sunday was just a fucking shit show, all right. Three points. Anthony Miller being a stupid. Dumbass, headbutting Matt Nagy, right? Just not listening, dude. Like this thing happened like two months ago. All right. So what are you doing? Like wh- why are you doing this? Why are you costing your team? Th- the game was seven to three at that moment in time. And you know, you normally don't play because Darnell Mooney is your is your dad these days, right? So what are you doing, man? You're a second round pick. You're healthy as fuck. Why aren't you making plays? Why aren't you, like, this is not even on Nagy anymore. Why, why aren't you, like, being in the position to get open downfield, you know? I mean, like, maybe he is, maybe he is not. Maybe Mitch is so stupid that he can't see him. Maybe he's that frustrated that, you know, he's not getting the ball, which he isn't, which I would be too. But then again, don't, don't get into the face of the person that fought one of our teammates that got him suspended for two games. Don't do that again. You know what I mean? I mean, to talk about the game and further, that garbage time touchdown, fucking Mitch. Oh, my God, man. I wish they just um, like, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. Would they have the extra point? Would they have let them do a go for two here or no?
1: It wouldn't have mattered because of how, how the game literally ended with that touchdown. It wouldn't have, I mean, it, it wasn't going to impact the game.
0: Yeah, and Jimmy Graham was so embarrassed. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. His Graham was so embarrassed. He's like, yo, I'm getting the hell out of here. Because you saw as soon as he scored the touchdown. Ran the locker room. Yeah, exactly. He ran into the tunnel. I mean, that's, oh
2: my God. Like, I don't know, man. It, it ruined my Bears, I'll bears bet for 10.5. I really, I, I had it. I, I was right there. Fandle, Fandle gave bad beats for 11.5 and 11. That's kind of dumb, but whatever. The original spread was 10.5. I don't know why they wouldn't do that. But, anyways, um, man, that was just a horseshit performance. Like, you know, I mean, other than Javon Wims that just literally copied what would be the Cody Parkey thing, but it's much worse, dude. That was
1: in the bucket. That's like this. Javon Wims has been known. His, his drop rate is bad too. And let me say this about, um, you know, Miller getting ejected. Hey man, trash talking's a part of the game. Jalen Ramsey's known for his trash talking. Like yep. I understand guys get in your head and it's an emotional game. I get it. Like I, I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a current athlete. I was a football player at the time. I understand like guys will chirp you like, like that happened and it can, can get in your head, but like you're an adult. You're playing this game for money. Man up who cares what he's saying to you? You're trying to win a playoff game, like play with some damn pride. Like who cares? Some scrub on the saints is chirping you and you're so aggravated that you're going to cause a penalty. And like, even if the bears, you know, obviously that penalty wasn't going to like, if it didn't happen, it's not like the bears were going to suddenly come back, but like, it's just embarrassing. It's an embarrassing look. And like, you're a guy who like really hasn't proven anything in this league. Like if that's Alan Robinson talking like back to that guy, yeah, I can understand it a little bit more, but like at the end of the day, like, trash talking is part of the game. Get over it. Get over yourself.
0: Yeah, and some breaking news right now as we're recording this podcast, but The Athletic's Kevin Fishbane reporting that Chuck Pagano's retiring. Let's break this real quick. Uh, let's break this down real quick guys. Essentially what happened is Pagano knew he was going to get fired. Cause before we jumped on this podcast, I can tell you right now, I heard that he was out. Okay. So he ended up, he pretty much decided to retire is essentially what happened. All right. Because like, let's be real about something. I mean, Pagano's defensive schemes gotten old for the NFL. But you know what? The big thing is that uh, he probably would have landed a job somewhere as a position coach or as a consultant. But, uh, yeah, Pagano's out. What do you guys think?
1: Um, happy trails. Um, I don't know. He, he didn't do anything in Chicago that makes me feel like he deserved to be back. And, you know, he's got a long career in the NFL and happy trails. I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know. If, uh, yeah. Goodbye. Uh, you said, I don't know if you just saw this, um, but uh, Brad Biggs from the uh, Chicago Tribune just tweeted a couple minutes ago. The rumor flying around the NFL right now is Bears will retain general manager Ryan Pace and coach Matt Nagy into 2021. That's what folks working in the league have heard. We'll see if team has something this evening. But that is the chatter that's out there right now.
0: Yes, I sent the big one in our chat, dude, and I just checked in with someone, too. That's the same report that I'm getting. So right now, guys, I think, like, as we're breaking all this down because it is happening, right, Um, what's happening is, all right, so Pagano is definitely out. He's retired, right, and I really think what happened is he retired instead of waiting for the team to uh, go ahead and uh, fire him, right? Because that was going to happen anyway. And then Pace and Nagy are obviously back, and that's the expectation because the reality of the situation is that, you know, the thing is, I think we have to understand here with Pace and Nagy being back, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're back as head coach and GM. Like, Nagy's back as head coach, but Pace could very well be the guy that is promoted to, like, football president of football operations or something, you know, and that they bring in a guy like we discussed last week, Mike Borgonzi, to go ahead and take his place
2: yeah I mean yeah I mean go ahead AJ go ahead Sam I'm just I'm just just deflated right now I'm just I mean I think I can't talk
1: I I just you've made two playoff appearances you you know you were 12 and 4 a couple years ago and and yeah you missed on the quarterback and you missed on a lot of things but the reality is is like the you know even if the Bears were to reset are they going to get a top candidate this year in the coaching tree or the GM tree? Probably not. Now, obviously to you said's point, just because pace is back doesn't necessarily mean he's back as the general manager, right? Like they could still make some moves there. I'm assuming Nagy being back means the majority of his staff's going to be back. Obviously with Pagano firing, I'm assuming they're going to have to look for a new D coordinator. I don't know if Jay Rogers is in that conversation or if they're going to look elsewhere and he's going to stay put. I don't know if you bring back most of this offensive coaching staff, I don't know. And and to be honest like I'm not surprised. It's not shocking to me. I think Bears fans wanted something new, but I'm not surprised. Like if you look on paper, they have been successful. Now internally as us being Bears analysts and stuff like that, it's not the case. Like we know that this team has tons of issues and is gonna struggle in 2021 most likely unless big changes come to this roster. But on paper, the Pace Nagy trio or duo, excuse me, It looks like it's worked, and and it's not surprising to me that they're back. It's again, AJ said it perfectly, it's deflating.
2: I mean, I'm not surprised that they're back. I mean, you know, just like Sam said, I think like, you know, there was a rumor floating around that, you know, Ryan Pace could be the president and CEO of his football team, where Ted Phillips would retire, and then you would bring in a GM that could compliment Nagy. And if Pace is that president and CEO, he's not going to really have that much say in drafting. So, I mean, I don't really know that many presidents and CEOs and football organizations that sit in the draft room that really pick up that phone and say that we're going to pick you. I think it's normally the head coach and GMs. So, I mean, except for Jerry Jones, but it's, it, it's a franchise that breeds mediocrity. I think that's just my opinion. And what- if you haven't won anything that much, it hurts. And like, I'm just a fl- I saw that five minutes ago. I'm just like, okay, what are we doing? You know, feel sorry for Khalil Mack, all these guys. I mean, hope they get like a nice defensive coordinator that can like fit their scheme and stuff and they can ball out. But how long is Chicago going to be under, under the duress of a defense that can hold you over? When are we going like to shift the, shift, shift the gears and go into a offensive team? Like, like, I don't know what we're gonna do. It's just dude.
0: We tried it sucks.
2: the o- like. I don't know. We tried the offensive team
0: with you know Trustman, and then again we tried it with Nagy, and obviously like it's clearly hasn't it hasn't worked out and i'm not saying chicago can't ever be an offensive powerhouse they can but all that you look at all the teams in this league that are offensive powerhouses right number one they have really good offensive lines and they invest into that and then number two they have really good quarterbacks all right and i get yeah the chiefs are the standard for like what a uh you know nfl offense needs to be but then you look at it and you realize like okay take a take a look at like the 2019 Ravens, for example, right? You could argue that that team was an offensive powerhouse. And why? Because they had a really good offensive line and they had a damn good run game too. And so you just need like a good offensive line and good aerial attack and a competent quarterback and a decent run game to be able to get the job done. Chicago, dude, like I get David Montgomery's a work horseback, but even that, like he could legitimately be like a guy who has 2000 yards from scrimmage every single year. I mean, they're cheating David Montgomery out of so much production. And the thing that sucks is... 2021 is going to be the third year of his contract and running backs don't last that long anyway so the Bears have kind of went ahead right and they're like wasted two years of Montgomery's career but like you look at the situation with okay now even Adam Johns is tweeting well Pace and Nagy are back dude there were points in October where I was the one that was hearing this stuff and I was like alright there's probably a chance that they're gonna be back I was straight up told by someone like yo they're not going anywhere and then obviously all the other things that I heard of well one's coming in you know one's staying one's getting fired etc all that but yo Pace and Nagy it's looking like they're back because because that just seems like it's the consensus around the league right now and the reality is is that like you're sitting here on the 12th of January and you're making this announcement um you know things aren't official yet something could fall through but that's the chatter you're like what you're already like a more than a month behind all the other teams that are going to be hiring GMs and they're going to be hiring head coaches, right? You're 12 days behind teams and head coaching interviews. So for you to kickstart the process, like you would have to really accelerate it. And I just don't see it happening. Right. Unless like, you know, the chiefs magically lose this weekend to whoever they're playing the Browns. Right. And then the bears have a shot at hiring Mike Borganzi. Like that's the best case scenario. And that's the only good thing right now. That's coming out of this for the bears. Is that if, like it's like Biggs reported a couple weeks ago, if Borgonzi is the Bears' target for GM, and Pace ends up moving to um, Pace ends up moving into like the football op- or president of football operations role or CEO or something, the Bears are going to have a chance to hire Borgonzi because you can't interview guys or teams that are in like or candidates from like teams that are in the playoffs. You can't bring them like into Alice. It's got to all be done virtually. I think now
1: too, now that we kind of know that the the gang's getting back together, I think 2021 needs to be your last stab at maybe playing potentially, you know, real football in January, because I I don't see the bears retooling that much now with pace and not with Nagy. Like if, if we're all in on these two guys, we need to be all in on 2021. Like if Foles is the guy, you got to build the offense around Foles. If you're going to go get a defensive coordinator I said in our Bears group chat, go after a guy in the Vangio tree, bring in somebody, maybe give G Rogers an interview. I don't know. Like I, I don't know like what the proper move is there, but like at this point now that things aren't going to change, you're not gonna rebuild, you're not gonna retool, you're not gonna tank. Like the team that they have on this roster, they need to find a way to win games with them next year. And they need to they need to do a lot of a lot of things need to happen. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, because now that you have pace and Nagy, like, you're not rebuilding. You're not going to – nothing's going to change at the top. The Bears are going to want to win football games next year, so you might as well build this roster to do that. And if – and it probably will fail, then you look into 2022 as a full reset. That's my personal opinion. I understand a lot of Bears fans maybe are clamoring for other things, but now that change probably isn't going to come, it's time to take another swing at it because at the end of the day, like – You have all these guys under contract. You have players like Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Kyle Fuller. You know, hopefully you bring that back, Allen Robinson, and you have Montgomery on his third year of his contract. You retool some things and you try to be competitive again. You try to make the playoffs again. That has to be the goal in 2021, at least for me.
0: So, yeah, now that we know that um Pace and Nagy are probably back and that Pagano's gone, right? I mean, dude, what are the initial moves that you guys are making for 2021? I think for me, knowing that Pace and Nagy are back, like, your number one priority this offseason needs to be inking Allen Robinson to a deal. And I get that some people are like, look, in my own opinion, man, Allen Robinson is not worth the same amount of money that a guy like Keenan Allen or DeAndre Hopkins got, right? He's not a tier two receiver either, okay? So he's not going to be getting like 15, 16 million, but the guy deserves an easy, you know, anywhere from like 17 to 19 million, but he's going to get 20 million just because, again, like if you want a good player on your roster, premium positions in this league get paid a high amount of money, okay? And that applies to wide receivers more than ever before. And, you know, people are under the assumption that, oh, well, Allen Robinson Robinson can just walk and everything's going to be okay. It's just like, no, you know, you're not going to freaking find a rookie because Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle probably aren't falling to the Bears in the first round. You're not going to find a rookie that's going to come in immediately and place Alan, replace Allen Robinson's production, right? So my initial move is you got to bring back Allen Robinson now. That should be on the top of your list. AJ, I'll go to you next.
2: Yeah, I mean, you have to bring back Allen Robinson. I mean, there's no other, I mean, if you don't bring him back, what are we gonna do next year in terms of throwing the ball? We have Anthony Miller, Javon Wims, and Darnell Mooney. Like that like e- even if uh, Nick Foles, like I mentioned earlier in this pod, if he's your starter, you have to retain Allen Robinson. That that's just a no-brainer move. I mean, if if you if you retain Allen Robinson, that should just be a no-brainer move. I mean, like you mentioned, 17 per 18, 19, get the deal done. But based on how Alan Robinson is feeling, and he said that, I mean, I gave them a 365 days to get a deal done with me. I don't think, like, he wants to stay in Chicago, honestly. Like, I, personally speaking, like, I, I can't speak for him or anything like that, but I think Alan Robinson is gone, though. He, I don't think, like, even if, like, I think he was just waiting for, the, uh, waiting for this news that Matt Nagy and, and Ryan Pace are back. I think in his mind right now, and in his house right now, I think he's thinking, "I'm gonzo, man. I want to go get my. I want to go. I want to go get my bag." And I think he should. I think for a team that someone can like, can use his services. I mean, I think he's gone. Like, I like. I, I would love for Allen Robinson to be back, but it's just slowly diminishing.
1: I think the Bears need to franchise tag Allen Robinson at worst. If he demands a trade, you trade him. And I think this draft class needs right. to be focusing on amassing as many picks as possible. I wouldn't mind if they traded down from 20, you can still get a good offensive lineman late in the first or early in the second. I think you go offense lineman wide receiver. Um, and then I think you just try to fill in as many holes as you can on this roster with young rookies. Um, I want to see as many young bodies starting next year or getting playing time next year as possible, because in all reality, if it goes bad in 2021 and it probably will You know they're going to blow this roster up. Guys like Khalil Mack will be gone, Kyle Fuller, probably even Roquan. Like Guys on the defensive side of the ball will be gone. Um, But I think that the part of that, that, that blow gets softened If you take advantage of your draft class now, Bears have picks in every single round except the fourth round and the seventh round. You have a couple compensatory picks coming in. I think you trade down from the first round and maybe get a fourth round pick back or get a second round pick or a third round pick out of that trade down. And you amass as many young players as possible. You know, overhaul the offensive line. Bring in another young wide receiver. Um, You know, maybe grab a couple of depth guys at the defensive line or linebacker. You know, find your true linebacker three. Um, draft another safety late, you know, draft two offense alignment, bring in some depth. You saw how many injuries the Bears had at offensive line. Like this draft is going to be so critical for pace to really get this roster ready. If things go bad in 2021, and they're probably going to unless you can build this roster with all this young talent around foals, be smart and free agency, like understand like spending too much money like you did last year. And guys like Robert Quinn is not going to help this free agency needs to be, be about creating cap space, bringing in solid veteran depth that isn't going to be super expensive, and then an overhaul in the draft, see what you can do in 2021. That's what I would do if I was the GM, but the first move needs to be getting Allen Robinson at least on the franchise tag, and if he wants out, now you have the option to trade him and get something out of him. If he doesn't want out, you get him for at least another year, and you can renegotiate a contract.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, the, the A-Rob thing is so important because I think, like, let's flash back to the 2015 draft, guys. I think that, you know, when you take Kevin White at 7th overall, and a lot of Bears fans are like, well, they just took a wide receiver for the sake of taking a wide receiver, but let me tell you guys the real reason they took a receiver that year. I think that a lot of people tend to forget that They weren't going to trade up for Mariota or Winston because they weren't going to make, they didn't, they couldn't just afford to make the jump from seven to two, right? So if your pace, your thought process at that time was, hey, look, let me draft a wide receiver so that by the time I do have the opportunity to pick a quarterback, there will be an established weapon, right? So like we know there's a big chance Chicago's probably picking a quarterback again. And so you need to retain A Rob because the reality of the situation is that like you need to have an established number one one guy for whoever your next quarterback is going to be right and i we know it's probably going to be Nick Foles but Nick Foles isn't your future i'm saying your future you know franchise quarterback your next rookie quarterback i mean you know mooney's done great but there's a chance they move on from earlier this offseason javon wims is gonna be javon wims is gonna be on this roster in training camp but he's gonna be a final you know part of the final like 55 man cuts okay and then there's Riley ridley i mean the guy they invested a fourth round pick in him in a year where they probably they had like four or five picks anyway so You know, what you got to do with Riley Ridley, right, is either it's, like, get him on the field for year three or just get rid of him, you know, because ultimately, like, he has too little production, which means, like, little to no trade value. And so, when you look at it, your biggest move is going to have to be, like, figuring out quarterback and then figuring out, you know, and then retaining Allen Robinson. Like, those are just the two moves that you're going to have to make. And then whoever you bring in for defensive coordinator, like, it can't be some old head because Vic Fangio's not leaving Denver, You are, I think, going to have to go with someone younger. And I think that you got to, you know, dig and look at a lot of the top defenses in the NFL, right? So, like, go back to the Rams. I mean, you're not going to get Brandon Staley, but, like, what about a guy like uh, Joe Perry, you know, who's, like, Sean McVay's, like, right-hand guy there? I mean, that could be someone that if you offer him, you know, oh, Khalil Mack and, you know, Akeem Hicks and all these guys, that's a move that you look at and you're like, okay, let's go ahead and make. Or, um, you know, go to, like, the Ravens, for example. I mean, I know Chuck Pagano's from the Ravens, but the Ravens under, I think it's... Don or Wink Martindale, one of the two there. They've got a really good defense. You know, I would even go so far as to look at Indianapolis. I mean, they have one of the brightest defenses in the league. It's a defense that, if they add another impact player, it's going to be like one of the best in the NFL. And maybe you hire one of Matt Eberflus' assistants or something. You know, but like Chicago's going to have to go young on the defensive side of the ball here. Ultimately, when they do replace Chuck Pagano, because again, we're not trying to just grab someone that's going to be here for like one or two years. No, we want. Someone that's going to be here for like three, four, five years.
1: To go off that, go get somebody who is involved with maybe more than one position. I mean, I so often like head coaching candidates, it's like they have to be a quarterback's coach or the offensive coordinator, and you know, defensive coordinators have to have all this experience. It's like, yeah, but maybe go get a guy who knows more than one spot, right? Like, is there a defensive coach out there who coaches the defensive linemen and the linebackers, or something like that? And like, like if you're going to bring somebody in, like bring somebody in who's maybe been at multiple organizations. Like, you know, one of the biggest faults of bringing Pace in is that Pace only worked for like the Saints. And I know, obviously, like a general manager versus a uh, defensive coordinator is an entirely different situation. But again, like. Go find somebody who has some experience in multiple areas or multiple positions in terms of the defense. Because I think bringing in a young guy who kind of – it doesn't have to be necessarily a young, young guy, but somebody who kind of knows more than one, you know, thing about the defense would be nice. Somebody who's, you know, maybe an under-the-radar candidate, kind of like what you said said. So, I don't know. It's kind of exciting at least we get to look at new defense coordinator.
2: You know, if you're – if, if you're, you're like Chuck Pagano, go ahead, Yeah,
0: you I'm say? saying like if you're only like major move this offseason season coaching wise is going to be a new defensive coordinator you know, it's going to have a ripple effect because at this point, you're not just trying to find someone to replace Pagano. You're also trying to find someone who's going to salvage what's expected to be, I think, like the oldest or the second oldest defense in the NFL. You know, and I know we have some young pieces, but like I know Khalil Mack is going to be 30. Akeem Hicks is in his 30s. Fuller, I think, is turning 32. Uh, Danny Trevathan, obviously, is 30. And I was so right about Danny Trevathan from week one. The dude clearly lost the step. In, uh, in 2019. So I think one of the big things I'm going to be looking for right, in the next defensive coordinator or that I would look for if I was Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace is find someone that has a knack for developing young talent right and that's why i think the guy from the rams that i just mentioned he really fits the bill because like the rams underwent so much transition and so much change the last two off seasons right especially during the 2020 off season it was almost like all right so they have Aaron Donald Jen, and Ramsey that's it i know Brandon Staley is the primary reason that um that Leonard Floyd broke out, but then again, like you look at some of the other pieces they have, like Jordan Fuller. Um, you know they have a couple linebackers that no one had even heard of that played real solid. Go ahead, Sam. I was
1: gonna say this. I I was on I was on Lake Shore this week as well, and we were talking about this, and I brought this up, and I wanted to bring it up here. Um, Sean McVay in 2018 or whenever the Rams went to Super Bowl, I think it was 2018, 2019, had a scheme fit for his quarterback, and Vic Fangio figured it out and beat him, and then Bill Belichick figured it out and beat him, and people knew what the Rams were going to do, and the Rams struggled as a result. Sean McVay looked at his team and looked at the coaching staff and said, I need to go bring the guy that beat me onto this roster. And that's what he did. He brought in Brandon Staley, the only guy who was able to beat his offense and completely shifted his defense. That Rams defense that I watched last Sunday was phenomenal. It was a defense that I think can go toe to toe with the Packers, hoping that Aaron Donald is healthy. But again, like you bring up perfectly like Leonard Fournette looks like an Leonard Fournette, Leonard Floyd looks like an entirely different outside linebacker in that and that Rams defense. And I think a lot of that has to do with Staley. So like, That's another thing as well is like if I'm the Bears coaching staff, you need to do something similar where you look to teams that crushed you, right? Your offense was completely decimated by them and say, I need to go find these guys. And I need to bring them into my coaching staff so that I can have that kind of power so that I can have that brilliance. Because at the end of the day, like I would love to see maybe a guy in the inside get bumped up. But also like if you're in win now mode. You need to bring in somebody who can help you beat those teams that crushed your offense so you can go and crush offenses. Like, that's what the Bears need to do. They probably won't. Yeah,
2: like, they – they yeah, they won't do it. Like, man, like, there, there's a – like, I, going back to the defensive coordinator candidates, I mean, you know, there's a couple I like. I like Chris Richard. I mean, he was a defensive play caller in Dallas – um, you know, Terrell Austin is a guy, you know, he, I think he's the, uh, assistant defensive coordinator over in Pittsburgh. I think that would be a nice fit here in, um, Chicago. Um, I mean, and bring back my old man with the beard, lovey Smith. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, his Tampa too is outdated, but you know, he did, he does follow the scheme, the schemes of Wade Phillips, Rex Ryan and buddy Ryan. So, I mean, I mean, try something, you know, don't try something that doesn't work. You know, get some, get a guy that could, that could bring the best out of Robert Quinn. Guys like Khalil Mack, you know, the same thing that Vic Fangio did, but do it better. You know, and I believe that guys like like, um, Terrell Austin would do it. In terms of the, uh, what Sam said, the Bears need to go out and beat these teams on offense. I think the Bears, they depend on their defense to give them good field position to go out and win these games like say for example the bears are at like um the opposing yard's uh 25 yard line they get a pick and the bears um start at their own 20 yard line but now like you you saw like back in the day they converted that with like easily no no pain at all for the fans but like you just saw it on the saints the bears got interception on the saints 35 and they didn't do anything with it and it just drives me crazy that, like, all right, you got Mitch, you got his legs, you got all these players around him, right? Like, do something that he understands, right? And that was the game to go out and do it, you know? And, like, this goes back to what Matt Nagy and his big-ass ego and all that stuff, like, I want to run what what, what 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 we had in Kansas City. It doesn't work like that, you know? Mitch Trubisky not Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, like, just going back to the whole thing that, like, the Bears need to beat these teams on offense. It's like, they just don't have the firepower right now. I mean, the offensive line is shaky as fuck. Allen Robinson might dip. I mean, oh my God, this is just it's giving me a headache. You know, dude,
0: this whole offseason, right? I'm going to tell you people right now, like, it hinges on like three things. One, what happens with Allen Robinson? Yeah. Two, what they do at the quarterback position, and three, if they decide to cut bait with Leno and Massey, right? Because, like, we know a lot of our defense is going to be back next year. We know we're going to get Eddie Goldman back, which Eddie Goldman being back in 2021 is... Huge. The, that's the biggest off season move that's happening for the Bears defense. Don't but it's James gonna,
1: Daniels and Tariq Cohen on the offense. Huge.
0: Yeah, those guys as well. But, like, I'm saying for defense, because our run yeah. game absolutely sucked this year. <laughs> you know, but, like... The thing is, you got to retain, you know is that's just gonna, all the three, four things that I just mentioned. Those are going to be big things. And you know, I would even argue like you need some additional like running back up behind David Montgomery as well, because like, Jack yeah, Cohen's great. Artavius Pierce is great, but the Bears just didn't use their younger players in 2020 the way that they should have. Right. Instead, we were seeing freaking Cordero Patterson in the backfield. Oh, and that's another thing. I know that some people want a good kick returner and whatnot, but five million is too much for Cordero Patterson. All right. I mean, let's be real about it. Like when you got other teams like the saints and the chiefs that are basically able to find undrafted guys as you know kick returners right or practice squad players you know the bears got to do a better job of that they need to find you know they you just can't like with all the needs you have you can't bring cordero patterson back and as much as i like cp on social media you know i'm trying to get people who show results on the field not people who um who uh friggin uh what do you call it you know like do what CP does on social media. Well, he's not
1: not built, like, to be, you know, he can't, when you saw him play running back, like, he doesn't have the vision and the mechanics of a running back. He's fast, and it's cool to have, you know, like, a guarantee like, oh, I think he's probably going to score at least one kick return touchdown, but, like, It's not worth $10 million over two years. Again, he's a great guy and he's fun to follow on social media. And he's, I love all the GM moves he makes by tweeting at guys. That was cool. But you know, I would be shocked if the bears brought him back. He's a great guy and he was fun to watch on special teams sometimes, but end of the day, like that's not a priority. If you're trying to win and you're trying to win a lot of games, like, you can go sign somebody to the practice squad to be your kick returner. The Bears did that with DeAndre Baker. Like You can go and, and do that without having to spend $10 million. That's overvaluing a position that's not as important as offensive linemen, as wide receiver depth, as interior linebacker depth, as quarterback. Like There's more important positions than a, a kick returner. And that's nothing against Cordell Patterson. Like Patterson was a lot of fun on the Bears, was a great special teams guy, but it's not a priority this year. It shouldn't be a priority
2: he's definitely not a priority. Man, what are we doing, man? This he, what, what, what was this deal, 2 years, 5 million or 10 million?
0: What was it? Yeah, something like that.
2: Oh my god, bro. There's guys out there on the street that could uh, I mean, I'm not knocking on Corey Patterson, but DeAndre, DeAndre Carter or Hunter, or whatever his name is, like he he's pretty good, you know? The guy has blazing speed and he's on what? You said a uh, a minimum contract. Yeah, something like that. You know? And, and like, this is the the Bears are not using Cordell Patterson at the wide receiver spot, which all the teams that Cordell Patterson has been on used him at the wide receiver spot. Right? And if they use him at the wide receiver spot, it's one of them bullshit-ass bubble screens where he's too, like, big in the hips to run, dude. Like, he needs to be on those quick slants and turn to the quarterback and like, turn to the quarterback in a couple of seconds. Like, that big possession receiver, that's what he needs to be. Like, I'm not talking, like, Allen Robinson level. I'm talking, like, what he did in New England, you know? That's what he needs to do. And apparently, Matt Nagy doesn't get that. And we're bringing back that guy that doesn't understand how to run an offense because he thinks he's Andy Reid, but he's not. So, oh my God. Like, I'm just annoyed by this news, by this Bears loss. 48 hours of waiting that the the same people are going to be back. Ted Phillips is probably going to be back too.
0: Yeah, Uh, I tweeted and and, you know, I tweeted this, right? I was just like, listen, the good teams that want real change, they don't wait until Tuesday evening to make the change. They make the change like right away ASC, right? Yeah, exactly. Chicago waited till freaking like six something on damn Tuesday, January twelfth, forty eight hours after the team lost to New Orleans to actually make the change. But kind of wrapping up here, you know, the Bears are out of the playoffs, guys. But Sam, I'll go with you on this one as I you know, you can start off our next segment. I mean, dude, who's making the the Super Bowl what are your predictions
1: I think the Super Bowl is likely going to be Packers bills um I think no one's beaten the Packers in the NFC at this point the road to Lambo is not going to be an easy road I'd love to see the Rams upset them next week I think maybe Tampa Bay's got the weapons um if the Saints played us uh, played them like they played us they're going to get smoked um I just think uh Green Bay's destiny here is to at least get close to the Super Bowl and I like the Bills I think the Bills have enough weapons to beat the Chiefs um you know and I and I think that Chiefs-Bills game that will potentially happen obviously who knows I mean we all thought the Steelers were going to beat the Browns and look what happened there but I think the reality is is we're looking at a Steeler uh excuse me a Bills-Chiefs uh AFC Championship game I think the Bills are going to beat them and I think we're going to see Bills-Packers I think the Bills are going to win it overall but Maybe I'm a little too high in the Bills, but that's what I'm thinking at this point. What about you guys?
0: Yeah, I would say, you know, for me, right, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay, dude, versus Buffalo, and I'll tell you guys why, because I get Green Bay didn't beat the Saints, right? It was the other way around, but Tampa Bay absolutely punched Aaron Rodgers, in the mouth, right? And obviously, the second time, if these teams meet in the playoffs, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers are going to have a completely different game plan. Aaron Rodgers made the comment today that the 2020 offense is so much better than the 2019 offense, right? But ultimately, when I look at kind of the state of affairs, right, I realize that, like, yo, the Saints are the team. The Saints and Bucks, right, they're the team that ultimately they're going, one of the two teams is going to go to the NFC Championship game because of the way the bracket's going to line up. And they're the only two teams right now that I think, like, especially if the Saints get traded. Hendrickson back their leading edge rusher then or their second guy in sex whatever he is right but he's a big name player I really think that Sean Payton's gonna have a totally different scheme because I seriously believe this that the Saints have a much better defense than Green Bay all right and I get you know Green Bay lost to New Orleans in the or, I'm sorry New New Orleans lost to Green Bay in the regular season. But, like, yo, big deal. I think if Sean Payton and Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen and that Saints coaching staff, as well as Drew Brees, like, they could turn it on at any moment, dude. And let's be real, like, that's an offense that could have realistically hung, like, a 50-burger on the Bears offense. So I think, you know, for me... um, goes back to, I really think, and Bruce Arians who's never been to a Super Bowl, and this is the most talented roster he has in Tampa. I think that the Super Bowl is going to be Tampa Bay versus Buffalo, and yeah, I do think Buffalo knocks off Kansas City just because I think that every single year what tends to happen is a former Super Bowl champion right they get to the playoffs but then they just don't get back ultimately because there's a new powerhouse i think that that happens this year with kansas city i think they lose in the afc championship game at arrowhead because josh allen and the bills i've been saying that i said this before the season started I'm gonna stick to it now they are building a legit and long-lasting sustaining football team in buffalo
2: yeah i think i think buffalo has looked past this whole scott norwood cur- curse i think scott norwood um missed a field goal, and they went on to miss four straight Super Bowls or lose four straight Super Bowls in the 90s, I think it was. And really weird by the Bills, you know? And now I think it's it, – this team, this Buffalo, I have a future of $10 on the um plus twenty hundred for the Bills and Tampa Bay to go to the Super Bowl. That pays out 200 bucks. So I, I like Tampa Bay. I really think that they can rattle, rattle Aaron Rodgers. I think it's nor My prediction for both of the championship games, This it's going to be Bills and Chiefs. And then you got Tampa Bay and Green Bay. And um, Bills are going to go to the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. Um, I really think the Bills end up winning the Super Bowl because like, like you said, said it is a complete team in Buffalo. I think Steph- Stephon Diggs and what Brandon Bean has done with, um, I think uh, Sean Sean McDermott or Doug McDermott. I think it is one of those two. I can't remember the name, but Coach of the Year and it's completely legit. You know his offense has just done phenomenal. You know and they don't they don't take the foot off the gas pedal if they're up. You know we saw that plenty times after they were up by ten points at the half and they come out and they throw strikes to Stefan things and John Brown and John Brown's going to be healthy during the playoffs. So I mean, give me the Bills to win it all, man. I mean, I like the I like. The the Bills and Bucks in the Super Bowl matchup. Give me the Bills to win it all.
0: Yeah, so it seems the consensus for us is the Bills. Hopefully in about like, what, three to four weeks or another month our predictions come through. But uh, yeah, whatever, guys. We're going to get out of here because I'm super tired and I'm going to go ahead. Pretty sure I'm having pizza for dinner today. I still have no idea, okay, because it's like seven, eight o'clock, and I haven't had dinner yet. Because I just eat dinner late. Ooh, Chipotle. But <laughs> no. Chipotle, dude. I want to. I got Taco Bell nacho fries. Okay, nacho fries is just shit. Ooh, nacho fries is the best stuff, dude. But yeah, guys, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, right. and Facebook at barely underscore pod. You can follow me on twitter facebook and instagram at usaid kosho follow sam and aj on twitter at aj decide and at sj steve nine we'll be back next week hopefully you know pace has a new role and mike borganzi's the gm and you know if not well then i don't know what to say we're just going to be here in the 2021 offseason we got tons of coverage tons of cool guests coming your way peace out y'all we're gonna get out of here and bear down
2: bear down